Welcome to the Inside Sales Enablement Podcast. Where has the profession been? Where is it now? And where is it heading? What does it mean to you, your company, other functions, the market? Find out here. Join the founding father of the sales enablement profession, Scott Santucci, and trailblazer Brian Lambert as they take you behind the scenes of the birth of an industry. The Inside Sales Enablement Podcast starts now. I'm Scott Tantici. I'm Brian Lambert, and we are the Sales Enablement Insiders. Our podcast is for sales enablement leaders looking to elevate their function, expand their sphere of influence, and increase the span of control within their companies. Together, Brian and I have worked on over 100 different kinds of sales enablement initiatives as analysts, consultants, or practitioners. We've learned the hard way, what works, and maybe what's more important, what doesn't. Today, we're talking about leadership. And before we get into it, pop quiz, Scott, I'm hitting you with the quiz. Awesome. Right off the bat, who who's your favorite leader and why? And it can't be somebody from your family. Who's your favorite leader and why from history? Mine, mine happens to be Teddy Roosevelt. I'm going U.S. president on that one. Because he's a he's definitely a man of action and he, he was very courageous for his time. That's my that's my favorite definition of a leader. What about you? So here's what I love. I love that our prep we didn't talk that we would be doing a pop quiz. So this is I love that already. Uh gets <laughs> gets the juices flowing. And so I would say that so I'm I'm literally being put on the spot right now. And he's it, we we do this uh, where we have this scrolling. And he just scrolled up this this thing here too. So I did buy a little bit of time to think through what it, what it is, uh, and I'd say it's George Washington, my favorite ah, leader of all time. Awesome, cool. Thanks for that. And you know we're talking leadership because fifth episode in our COVID response, and this is interesting because we planned on uh, stopping that series, but we're getting so much feedback and we're getting so many downloads that we're continuing this series. And we're talking leadership because somebody from our, our team, the Insider Nation, actually brought up that leadership's critical in times like this. And, you know, Scott, when we look at leadership, to me, enablement leaders really have an opportunity to apply timeless leadership skills to today's modern time. Anybody can be a leader and everybody that I talk to believes they're a leader. From a, a sales perspective, leadership is is blending to to be more about consistency and outcomes. And in 2020 here, we're, a lot of sales teams that we're supporting are driving change. They've got to bring change to bear. Salespeople have to be leaders. Sales leaders have to be leaders. And you know what? Sales and, and delivery teams and marketing and product teams have to be leaders too. And none of these changes are going to happen in, in our clients that we're supporting without aligning multiple decision makers. So when you look at today's success in times of crisis, change management requires strong leadership. Uh, crisis response requires strong leadership. Aligning processes or incorporating multiple perspectives, all these things that we're talking about on the show require strong leadership. And so, Scott, with that said, clearly I'm passionate about the leadership topic. What metaphor are you going to use to frame out this topic? To summarize what you said, in order to simplify the commercial system that all of us are in, that sales enablement is the the, the biggest beneficiary of, you need strong leadership. I think one of the things that we have to get into is what actually is leadership? How do we make it tangible? I think a lot of people point at leadership and think that they're a great leader uh, because they're empathetic or or whatnot, but are they driving results? Or they point to people who they think should be leaders and can highlight what what isn't a great leader. Here's the best story of a leader that this is a true story, and I think it's very timely. We have to go back to, so now we're going way back in time. Uh, our centering story starts in 1777. That's right, 1777. And what I want you to do is sort of imagine it's it's the dead of winter and the Continental Army, which if you can you know remember your history, is this ragtag group 
of non-professional soldiers that have volunteered for this weekend romp because they were fired up about the British and what they were doing to their uh, to their um, uh, friends in in Massachusetts. And <laughs> it's pretty easy to be gung ho. We've all seen that that seen that happen. And by this point in time in the war, in 1777, the British army, which was the, by far and away the most powerful military uh, on the planet, had captured the capital, which was Philadelphia. Things looked bleak. A at the beginning of 1777, the, uh, the army was 40,000 strong. At this point in time in the war, there were 12,000 people, 12,000 troops who had stayed on in, in the armies, barely keeping it together. If you don't have an army, you don't have an opposition. If you don't have an opposition, anybody who signed a Declaration of Independence is going to get hung. Let's just make sure we're clear of the time period of what's going to happen and what a king does. Seems pretty bleak. Super bleak. To add more bleakness to it. In this debt of winter, they were ill-supplied. So George Washington would write off notes to Congress at the time, the Continental Congress. But each one of them were pointing fingers at each different state. Well, let Virginia pay for it. Let Philadelphia pay for it. I'm not going to pay for it. We're just Delaware. So he would write and write and write, and he wouldn't get any supplies. So they didn't have shoes. They didn't have enough food. They lost 1,500 horses during that winter. They lost 1,000 people. 1,000 people out of 12,000 people died. Put that into comparison about how many people are dying with, with COVID across the world and how many billions of people there are. And a sample set of 12,000 people, 1,000 died because of disease. Diseases like uh, typhoid or smallpox. Side note, one of the things that came out of this is that they developed uh, what are now called vaccines. So they innovated to stop the smallpox to, to do that. So during this bleak time, desertion was a problem. How do you handle desertions in a volunteer army? You got to keep the army together, but they're volunteers. So George Washington did something that he didn't want to do. He had some he had some public executions to establish order. Uh, what else did they do? They brought in and they said, we need to get these guys formally trained. So they brought in Baron Friedrich von Steuben, uh, who was a Prussian, and they started drilling. So they were drilling. Who wants to drill? Who definitely wants to drill when you have no shoes in the winter? And out of this, when you're starving and you're starving and you got no horses and you got no resources and the British are there in Philadelphia having a great time and it's super warm and you're doing all this going up against the most well-equipped, best army on the planet at the time. So what happened as a result of this is they came out of that uh, a, a completely transformed unit. Because of the because of the training of Steuben, they actually fought. They started fighting traditional ways. So the myth that all of the uh, all of the Continental Congress was guerrilla warfare is just not true. It's not a tr it's not a true thing. They just used very innovative and radical tactics that the British thought was guerrilla, but it wasn't true. So what they ended up doing is between after between 1778 and 1781, they ended up defeating with the help of the French. Uh, the, the most powerful uh, military on the planet. And it was this point in time, there was this pamphlet that, that circulated and a guy named Thomas Paine wrote it. And I want to just read a little passage because it's very relevant to today. In 1777, Thomas Paine wrote, these are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country that he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of men and women. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet, we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. Wow. That's really, really cool, and that's a great history lesson, uh, again. And I obviously, I, I am resonating with the timeliness of that, especially the disease part and, and the bleakness of it all. But I got to ask, what's what's that have to do with sales enablement right now? <laughs> so that's the great segue. The so what, right? Yeah. So for, for Insider Nation, what we're going to talk about is these are the examples of leadership. Leadership isn't easy. Leadership requires courage. Leadership is never cookie cutter. 
leadership is dealing with the, with, with the events around us and trying to figure out how to make it better. Sometimes you have to go into deep, dark places to find out what that looks like. So what Brian and I are going to introduce is a framework that has been developed over an 11-year period of time to give sales enablement leaders the toolkit that they need to be leaders. And yeah. we call it being heroic. Yeah. And uh, that's right. You heard that right. 11 years. And you're about to hear it right now. <laughs> the good thing about this is it is timeless. Uh, the second thing about this is it's, it is evolving, be more clear. So we'd love your feedback on it. Scott, give them the framework. Okay. So the framework is this being heroic. So why is that the, the, the highlight? The highlight is you have to live, breathe it. You don't just, uh, it's not an emergency, break glass, pull out, be a leader framework. You have to be a, a practice this every day so that when you're ready for crisis situations, uh, you, you can actually just be it. You have to just be it. It must be authentic. So we call it being heroic. Why heroic? It takes a heck of a lot of courage. Imagine the courage it took George Washington. If you imagine all the chips that are on his back and the fact that he will be swinging from a tree, just like the other people who signed the Declaration of Independence, the burden that it was on his back. Mm -hmm. So that's, it takes in a tremendous amount of courage to do something different. It takes a tremendous amount of courage to come up with the tactics and, and to have the discipline and try to say, we're going to train instead of just suffer through this. All yeah. courageous moves. Yeah. So that's like why we that. use heroic. We're not trying to be, you know, silly about it. But heroic also is an acronym. And our acronym stands for these are the attributes that you need to develop. So hang on a second. Before before we get into that, right? So I, I know I, we were going to roll through this, but I just want to make sure you guys are, are tracking on this because this this idea of heroic, we're going to give you, and it's not just a catchy catchphrase, motivational type of thing. This is actually an applicable framework, and we're going to talk about it. So Scott's going to give you what heroic stands for. It's an acronym. So what is H? What is E? What is R? What is O? I and C. So here you go. The first one is holistic. And holistic really is the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. It's what it means. And it's about being able to see the, the bigger picture. And we'll just keep it simple right now. And then we're going to unpack them uh, moving forward. E stands for engineered, which is basically how do the parts fit together? And, you know, the practical application is, is how do you figure out the 80-20 rule? What are the 20% of the things that matter the most? For George Washington this time, the number one thing that mattered the most is keep the army together. And then when they get out of Valley Forge to actually be a fighting force so they don't get their butts kicked <laughs> like they did uh, up and down everywhere uh, in 1777. Uh, R is confront reality or be reality focused. And that's really how do all of the parts uh, involved in your system, how do they behave? Uh, this is also about... Uh, looking at the data and then going talking to people and see whether that data is really real or not. Um, I, I like to think about this as confronting biases. The next one, O, is ongoing operations. How, how do we develop and continuous sustained improvement? Think of it, think of it this way. Is o is the difference between rolling out a training program and then having the reinforcement strategy to make sure that there's the adoption of that training program. Big difference. It might sound subtle, but the, the difference in terms of business results is massive. I is impactive. Impactive really is the, the, the message that you give because leaders have to have messages to address all of the stakeholders in the community with which they're leading. So how you message and communicate is critically important. And we call that impactive. And then finally, C is collaborative and inclusive. In order for you to succeed as a sales enablement leader, your role in order to simplify that commercial system that we, re that we reference, you're not going to own all of the mechanisms. So you're going to need to gain buy-in and collaboration across many different cross-functional groups. So you don't have the muscles to do, to do it collaboratively and in an inclusive way where they don't feel uh, put out. You're not going to be able to uh, get the buy-in of all of the different uh, all of the different humans be, uh, uh, rowing in the right direction. I want to make sure this is 
um, really resonating. And what I'm thinking about is, okay, look, George Washington, was he holistic? That's the H. It's hard to argue that he wasn't uh, holistic in his approach. Was he engineered, you know, and how he was processing uh, what was going on in Valley Forge? R, reality, and how was he confronting the reality? O, was he thinking about the ongoing operation, the outcome of, of the war? I, was he impactive? Was he writing the letters to make sure that he was enrolling the right people? And C, was he collaborative uh, in order to get this done? The answer to that would be a resounding yes. And if you're thinking about it from your role as, you know, my my project, how am I being holistic in my project? Am I engineered in my project? Am I confronting reality in my project? The, um, what, we're, what we're talking about here, Scott, seems to be a little bit different than implementing a project, which I think a lot of people think uh, in terms of leadership. What's your take on um, leadership at the, the this level of George Washington and with regard to project-based work. So let's, let me answer this as if it's a decision tree. Step number one is sales enablement. Is it to you just training and we do the things that are asked of us? Or is sales enablement a strategic function where you're activating or making the company better? Yeah. Uh, if, if you're A, this podcast isn't for you. If you're B, what we need to really do is highlight what that means. So that's creating the simplification to create the commercial system, sales and marketing, to work together. Mm -hmm. And to in order to activate that, you have to develop a skill that blends strategy and execution. So Brian and I call that stratocution. So that means... To the executive team, you need to be able to communicate executable insights and that to you and to your team, you have to develop success methods to carry that out. Those two have to be blended together in order to drive the re business results or the goals, the big goals that, you're, that you seek rather than the activity that's easy to measure. measure. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and I know we've talked a lot about that, and I, I thought it was really important to pause there and make sure that we're processing the heroic framework this way. And one of the things you're bringing up here is this commercial system and simplifying that. Uh, you and I have had a history since 2008 working on that. I think it'd be helpful to, you know, we talked about this as an 11-year journey. Let's give our listeners a bit of that overview of how we've gotten through this process and, and how, where this came from, because I really want them to have confidence to be able to apply something like this. Okay, sure. So uh, one way to do that would be for our listeners to go back and listen to episode 20, where we talk about um, the detailed, maybe minutiae, detailed definition of, of what we see sales enablement. The opening line of the definition of sales enablement that we created at Forrester was sales enablement is a strategic ongoing process right there. So because it's a process and a role, how do we look at that? And so that's what we talk about the commercial system. We'll, we'll talk about making that more tangible later. Let's just park that concept for a second. But the issue then is because that's what our focal point was, and we published that report, you can probably imagine we had a lot of inquiries or engagements with many, 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 many different people uh, from companies all around the world. So in, in talking through that, we had the opportunity to hear from people who were being very successful, bringing that vision inside their companies. That was a leadership council where these members could get together and talk about what they were doing. And one of the things that we observed was, hmm, the people at Cisco um, or the, the, the woman who's running this at Cisco, she's got really good skills in communication. And the people running at SunGuard are really, really, really great at uh, defining key performance indicators. Or the people at Informatica, geez, these guys are operationally amazing. Like, this is like, looking at Southwest Airlines. Right. So what we realized that we needed to do is to create a mechanism to allow these um, pockets of excellence be illuminated. So yeah. we came up with the concept of this hero conference to spotlight them. 
Yeah, I remember that. And we had this conversation about, boy, if we could take the best of everybody and create like a superhero, like sales nail a superhero, what would that look like? And we actually, that's where this came from, this framework, because we saw how they interacted, that we actually saw their um, their strengths and we put it together into this leadership framework. We applied it. We rolled out the conference. And remember, um, remember, Scott, we won that uh, successification award at Forrester because our conference that was put on around this framework was the highest rated conference that year. Yes. And it wasn't close either. I mean, yeah. Not that we're competitive or anything. <laughs> Uh, well, but but I think that the the reason is is because it was 100% designed about making the role, uh, as we defined it, a strategic sales enablement function successful. And in doing so, we didn't have a lot of the buzzwords that you would see today. It was spotlighting each of these different individuals. So we built the the way that we that we designed the entire conference had one core theme, and. Um, if you want to think about this in a weird metaphor, think about it as a giant hamburger. Brian and I were the buns. So I went first. Uh, I had the initial kickoff and really I didn't talk much. I had a few stories about sales enablement to frame it out, but really I sort of introduced this concept of the hero journey, what a hero story is, how to write your own hero story, and then each of the different H-E-R-O. My goal, my objective is introduce the concept, and then we scripted out the agenda so that people could digest this over a period of time. And then Brian had the closing uh, keynote of how to put it together. So I introduced a new idea, um, which was hard to digest at first. By the end of the day, or at end of day two, Everybody was getting it and it was activating. And what we did is between those, between those two buns, if you will, we had the different layers. So the first layer was H and Mitch Little, who is the SVP of sales and applications at a company called Microchip, had a really great way of talking about and seeing the whole. Um, the, how does his sales organization uh, fit into the community of his customers and also the community of the individual people inside his company. And his conclusion was, and this is his radical view, that he changed his compensation plan around sales to, to not be around quota. It was around goals obtained by customers. So he, if you just led with that, that's pretty ra radical and it's hard for a lot of people to absorb. But when you hear his story about fitting it into the overall ecosystem and that they're in business of helping their customers succeed with microchips and, and build new new capabilities, his logic makes a lot of sense. And then if you look at his business results before and after, boy, does it make a lot of sense. But it you know it took a lot of a, a lot of time for people to absorb that. Mm -hmm. Where's Mitch today? He's still in the same role at Microchip, doing the same kind, and, and he's he's. Um, been what he was one of the original people behind the challenger sale he um he still is trying to advocate the uh uh the, the comp plan model and he's still getting the same kind of pushback and he's still getting you know delivering uh better than his peer results yeah and he's got 10 10 times the longevity of other people in the role <laughs> he's exactly. still, still there yeah. exactly so let's go on to e so the, the next one is e engineered and that's uh ken powell Ken Powell at the time was the head of sales enablement at SunGuard. And what he did was he walked us through seven slides that were very mathematical, <laughs> uh, but they were simple. Uh, so they, it, it's basically um, what he went through was a CFO's dream and walk through. You have this amount of people who do these things in our system and they go through this batch and this is the. This is the services, the sales enablement services that we provide. But instead of talking about what the services were, he concentrated more about the metrics. And he was, he, be, he has uh, developed a really great skill to be very KPI and measurement focused. And he stressed the importance of the 80-20 rule. Most of the things that you're going to do or think about doing don't matter. Have the discipline to concentrate on finding the 20% that do. And then having the courage, there's that word again, uh, to making sure that you really focus on those 20%. Uh, 
is just so easy to get caught up on uh, in terms of activity. So where is where is Ken now? Ken now works for a very large uh, private equity firm where he goes and uh, observes and talks to uh, talks to com- private equity companies, uh, their portfolio members, about what kind of metrics they should be putting in place. So that's where he is now. Yeah, quite a journey. Yes. So uh, the next uh, the next person for R is uh, reality focused. So that's Carol Sestala. And at the time, she was the director of sales enablement at Semantic. And what she highlighted, and she laid out all of the different people who are involved and all of the different groups with which her department goes and does outreach for. You might call it, if if you think about it in terms of project management, it looks very stakeholder management-ish, but it's very, it's not, it's it's very human. It's, uh, it's, it's about who cares about what? What are their perspectives? What are their orientations? She used one of the frameworks that 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 we provided to help gain that consensus, uh, which were around the four sales objectives. Uh, um, you know, Brian, that's uh, um, sales at the end of the day is about getting access to the right people is number one. Once you're there, having a, an effective meeting that the client agrees to explore further. That's number two. Number three, creating a shared vision of success over a period of time. That's number three. And then number four is, um, yeah, got to close, uh, creating that business case. And using those kinds of things to, to create an experiential understanding of what's happening is what made Carol very successful and continues to, to make her successful. Yeah. And if you want to le- learn more about that, that was uh, episode nine. Uh, if you want to listen to those objectives in more detail. Yeah, and she's she's a VP at Power School Group now. That's a my that's an amazing story too. Yes, VP of Sales and Power PowerSchool. That's where yeah. she's today. Yeah, that's great. And, and then the the last layer, I guess, the meaty bun or the meat, you know, the meat or the bacon or whatever you want to. Call or it's it. the lettuce. I mean, he's, or the lettuce, he's in California, right? right. <laughs> whatever, whatever the lettuce, whatever the layer is, is uh, for ongoing operations. Is Daniel West, who uh, at the time was the VP of enablement and um and the university at informatica and what what he laid out was a he basically called it industrializing sales enablement and he uses he uses the metaphor the henry ford metaphor he even used the quote uh um from henry ford um what is it? Uh, oh, if, if I, I would have asked everybody what they wanted, they right? If I yeah, if I asked customers what they want, they'd want a faster horse, right? And that's really what he what he's talking about is uh, everybody thinks that they want something. If you go and just answer the mail, what you're going to do is produce faster horses rather than create cars. So what he what he highlights is what is his system to go about doing that? How does he how does he concentrate on the operations and defining the roles and responsibilities for for everybody? Because he believes that if you do that, you can first better control and manage expectations of those around you, and then you can produce uh, great outputs uh, and make sure you can scale your results uh, more effectively. So that's what da- that that's what Daniel shared. Where's Daniel now? Well, Daniel is has uh, a SVP role at Oracle, uh, basically doing this. So um, obviously, he's graduated up as well. So all of these. Um, uh, speakers have done really well from themselves over the past eight years, and uh, we think uh, folks should be able to learn from them. Yeah, and they're they're uh, courageous and heroic, which is our framework. And they've done clearly done well for themselves, and I've learned a lot from them and, uh, as well. And I think what's cool about each of them is uh, they're very approachable. So um, reach out to them. And then when you look at this, Scott, that's HERO. Uh, we have a heroic framework. So what about IC? Um, what What is the I? What is the C? It's impactive. Remember, everybody, pop quiz, impactive and collaborative, right? So what about IC? Where did that come from, uh, Scott? So that came from, a lot of people don't know know this, but um, the the concept around the Sales Enablement Society was half, hey, we should all get together but probably more half and probably what I was more interested in is a test. And the test is, can we create, what can we create an organization from scratch that doesn't involve or, or force ourselves to figure out how we can be more collaborative and cross-functional. And in doing so, 
I set out to say, okay, I have to lead. So I'm going to use this hero framework in, in, in the leadership. And while putting it to practice, I realized there were two things that were missing. Two things. And maybe it's, maybe it's more uh, an issue of modern and that we're in a digital world and um, there's so many different stakeholders involved. But the two things that that added are one is so the I is how do you message you how you message matters so much more today than what you think. And I I've got to stress to to you, everybody is going to say, yeah, I know how to do that. And I'm going to tell you, you don't <laughs> because the impactive part really matters. And actually, impactive is a acronym. Uh, one of the things that uh, we're Brian and I are going to have as an episode, Lindsay Gore, if you remember her for, as our as a salesperson, when her and I work a lot together, and we're going to really unpack this uh, being heroic framework and how it matters to salespeople. It's going to be really exciting. Um, but anyway, the point is, in order to uh, get the community of stakeholders rowing in the right direction of whom many see the world differently and many disagree with each other is a lot harder than anybody gives themselves credit to. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, Brian, that I learned about this is um, through the, through the story arc of, of running the society that the the interesting things are the people reached out. One of the people reached out to talk to me about this issue was a mayor, a mayor of a town was tracking all this stuff. And said, how the heck do I govern? Everybody's at there at war with each other. What did you do? So I don't know. Right. So we just sort of worked together on packet. And that's really what 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 came about it is the messaging mm-hmm. matters so much more than I, I think people give it credit for. Yeah. And whatever you think the word messaging means right now, I would just pause on that. Um, and we're going to have to have a separate episode. This is for you listening um, because it's not the messaging you think. Um, I'll just put it that way. It, it has to do with more, more about how it's received and uh, the perspectives of the people involved, um, than you communicating to them. It's, it's more about what they hear. So we'll, we'll talk through that on a different episode. And then the next one that, that came up, Scott was collaborative. Tell yes. us about that one. So it's, it's collaborative. And I also like the way that I like to think about it, it's, it's collaborative and inclusive. And, it doesn't mean inclusive the way of diversity projects, right? Uh, it's really interesting how words can can mean things and, and when you tease it out about how to, how to execute. But what what is really important is including people into your plan so that they can buy into it. If, if you don't have buy-in from product marketing and you want to work on messaging, for example, and and the marketing department and things like that. If if you can't help them see what the challenges really are, you're going to create perpetual friction because you're you're like Pennsylvania and Virginia arguing at loggerheads rather than saying what's our common goal. Uh, so that's being inclusive and being collaborative is really about every every department. So even within the sales enablement community, a lot of people can zoom into ten infinite degrees of depth on individual topics, but a salesperson can't assimilate individual depth on all of the different mechanics around, you know, running a good meeting. I mean, you got people write books on, on that. No one can digest all of that to put it in motion. So how do you collaborate to identify what is the, what's the low hanging fruit that you can connect to simplify it so that salespeople can execute or that customers can understand it. That requires collaboration or else people get really upset. And that upset is what turns into lack execution. So those are the two things, two lessons learned there. I think it'd probably be a good idea to, you know, unpack those things together. But I think what we want to do right now is let's 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 try to put all the pieces together uh, in, in a way to to understand. Then we'll have another episode where we flip it around on, on, on how to apply. So, yeah. So, Brian, where are we now? Yeah, I want to um, breathe some life into this. And so when you and I were talking, I said, let's use a, a situation. Right. So I'm going to be sales enablement professional. And I'm going to give you a situation and I want you to help me uh, be heroic. 
about and um, let's 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 do it that way. And I hope this this will help uh, anchor this uh, for our listeners so that you can give us uh, feedback because we really want to hear how you would apply heroic as well. So you can follow along with this and we're going to go through and, and talk about um, the way to apply this. So here's my brief situation would be Scott. Um, it, uh, I feel, I feel like, uh, what's that? Frazier, the show Frazier. I'm old. Hello caller. <laughs> I'm, ca- I'm calling in. <laughs> okay. So am and, I uh, Frazier or are you Frazier? No, you, you're, you're Frazier. Okay. Crane. I'm the okay, caller. Gotcha. So we've been, we've been doing a show. Yeah, let's let's stick with that metaphor. I'm Frazier. We've been doing a call. Okay, yeah. hello, caller. Talk to us about being heroic. Yeah, yeah. Here's my situation. I am is responsible for uh, a major program uh, around sales management development, and the reason for that is in this COVID nineteen era, uh, our our leadership team has really prioritized sales management development, and when that came down from the pike, uh, everybody's got ideas on what I should be doing. Listening to the heroic framework, I believe I should control my own destiny uh, as a sales enablement leader uh, and incorporate what you're saying, but I'm stuck. I don't know exactly how to do that. So uh, step number one is language matters a lot here. I, I would say for your own benefit, you must lead because if it doesn't work somebody's going to get blamed right there's a mm-hmm. throat to choke <laughs> and yeah. so step, step number one is, is is accepting that accountability and really leaning into it like yeah that's a key part of leadership exactly you know my that's a great point so uh, i have i remember in my military days i'm still a caller um that was really important and you have to know your own limits and know your own strengths and weaknesses and you have to come to grips with the accountability that you have in a time like this. So thanks for reminding me of that, Frazier. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, so given that, let's talk about holistic. Fo- the, the focal point shouldn't be on the coaching because that's just an end result. What is the goal that we want to achieve? So I would imagine in this time and age, the, the the spending has been pulled back on training for individual reps. And the goal is we have to figure out how we're going to navigate this this crisis. And we're going to do one. We're going to do two things at the same time. One is in, figure out how we empower our frontline leaders to make sure the troops, for lack of a better word, uh, are, are comfortable focused. But build the muscles that we require once this comes out so that uh, uh, we are better prepared than our competitors. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Sounds very George Washington like, by the way, that's uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, with that, um, we know my leadership team has told me they believe that uh sales managers are not equipped to go into this current work environment. So there's actually a short term need here as well to make sure the troops are well taken care of in an all virtual environment and um, right. So leveraging virtually le- leveraging the, uh, the wisdom of another leader that people give a lot of credit for as leadership is Winston Churchill. Never let a crisis go to waste. That's so right. If you have the short term, boy, they're not prepared to be able to do it. That's what you're implementing. But if you're only focusing on that, you're not actually creating anything. So remember what George Washington did is what did he do is he brought Steuben in to come up with this discipline and train these guys uh, to become really fantastic soldiers. So two things are happening at the same time. And I, I can't stress how important it is to have that kind of idea. So my tip to you, caller would be, please don't call this a coaching program because that's going to have everybody involved in your in your program focus on the wrong thing. This isn't about coaching. Yes, technically what it is that you are doing is deploying coaching, but that's, there's not, you're not answering the why. What does management get out of it? So mm-hmm. I would work on crafting your own message similar to the Thomas Paine, these are the times that try men's souls, come up with some sort of statement that's a, a, a more aspirational and inspiring rather than just man, coaching. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thanks. And uh, also uh, continuing through this, um, 
I have listened, you know, listened to the the podcast and I know I don't want to be random. You know, I don't want to be uh, just engaging in a bunch of activity, even though we have a new hire starting on Monday and they're asking me what we're doing with this person. I'm resisting the urge to just jump in and start, start flinging, but I'm having trouble, you know, with that messaging as well and what to do to make sure that it's additive to the H. So I, what I would say is, um, Concentrate on your goals. There, there's got to be measurable goals. So let's think about channeling our inner Ken <laughs> from Ken Powell. What are the goals and can you highlight them? So what was George Washington's goals? Goal number one throughout the whole winter was keep the army intact. Goal number two is when we, after we keep the army intact, make sure it's a better fighting force than it was. All the other daily activities that they had to do, deal with, are all just tactics. He stayed focused on those two things. Mm -hmm. So in this particular case, from your period of time, from when you're starting to when you're ending, what are the two or three things that must be focused on and make sure that's the thing that you stay concentrated on? That and, and, uh, Like think about Rocky. These are the things that you put on your mirror as you're training that you concentrate on over and over and over and over again, because you're going to get overwhelmed by people's opinions, people's points of view, et cetera, that are all going to provide, be distracting. So that's yeah. what engineered is. And the more you can make those measurable, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, that's right. I like that. Look, you know, um, I'm now in a work environment that because of this, I'm working remotely and I get what you're saying. Uh, but the reality is, you know, our reality, the reality is, is that um, I'm, my email is, I'm on, you know, video conference calls all day and it's, we're in a very reactive crisis driven mode. That's the reality. So the idea of, Hey, this is going to be a whole, a holistic ongoing, you know, we're going to do this over time um, engineered approach doesn't seem to fit with the current times. What do I do? Well, here's the funny thing about reality. Uh, there is what it is, and then there's what what we project onto it. So if you are going to come at it thinking through uh, through being anxious, then you're going to see a lot of anxiety. If you flip it around and say, "Look, we just have to get this done. We're in Valley Forge. We got to get it done. Let's not let all these other factors that we read about distract us. The issue is we have to get it done. The variables are." You know, would we like to be in the office? Sure, but we're not. So let it go. And then what you need to be able to do is gauge the morale of the troops and then have one-on-one -on -one conversations and help direct them. Think about uh, one way to think about it is you can think about it as people like like magnets. And if those magnets aren't polarized to the same goal, then it's going to be very difficult to get through. But you as the leader, you just can't think that way. It does no good to, to add the burden of the weight that's on you for the accountability. The accountability you need to concentrate on are the three or four engineered goals. That's it. Yeah. If you allow yourself to be burdened by these other factors, these, these other pressures, then you're, you're, you're taxing your ability to execute those goals. So this is good, Frazier, because now you're popping into my mind, right? Um, this idea that Leadership can be in times of crisis and I, how I respond is important. And like, for example, um, you know, you know, Papa John's pizza, right? They, um, I just got on what you're triggering in my mind is they're, they're being really responsive by confronting reality. You know what they did? They actually this morning pushed an app update that says you can update your pizza delivery to no contact. I don't want to talk. I don't want to touch anybody. And I want to have uber hypersensitivity to um, the virus uh, delivery. So they, they pushed a whole app update. Is that leadership? I would say it, it is because yeah. it's, it's highly grounded to reality and it's being helpful and it's being positive to your point. So thanks for reminding me about that. I, I also want to add on top of that. So let's also factor in that issue of reality. One of the things that, that is very common in the sales enablement world will be you, you led with the statement that management says the sales managers aren't prepared, um, are, 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 are prepared to lead in this environment. 
many sales enablement people, because leadership says that, take that as fact. And then they will go and say to sales, sales leaders, you're not prepared for this. Well, guess what? First of all, you don't know for sure if they're prepared or not prepared. Secondly, why in the world would you say that to them? And thirdly, if you did say that to them, haven't you created resistance to begin with? Uh-huh. In terms of reality, how would you know? Do you have a rubric to say, here's what makes somebody a leader or not a leader? If you don't have a rubric, what criteria is it that the management is basing it on? If you just do it and you're doing things and you haven't isolated what that core thing, how do you know what reality actually is? Is yeah. it because of what somebody else said? And these are the kinds of things that we have to be really thoughtful of. These are human beings. Yeah. They are not sales managers because they stink. They are sales managers because they've done something great. And when yeah. we highlight what they don't work well on, of course, they're going to be resistant. And are they going to be more resistant in a time of crisis? Heck yeah, because they're worried about their own futures too. Yeah, that's a great point. And what you're reminding me of is the, as the caller here, the conversation I had this morning was exactly to that point. Uh, I probably should have said some of the things I said. And also, I wasn't prepared for this crisis either. <laughs> probably, right? You know, who's really prepared for this? So right. there's, so anyway, yeah, that's a great point. Okay, so uh, I'm trying to stay in character. Yep. You know, <laughs> that's, good. that's good. All right. So um, the last one then is, oh, no, and, two. that's not the last one. We have INC. Oh, INC, my bad. Yep. So, um, oh, I see your left. So, oh, um, you know, obviously with sales management development, my sales leadership has, is, has told me that we're going to react to this, as you said, but it is going to be a, a key pillar going forward of, of the enablement strategy. So I think it's it sounds like I need to be clarifying these things to when we come out and making sure that um that that we're able to be successful. So how do I manage the need that everybody's going to come and want to plow a bunch of stuff into this at one and, and pile it in and and start shooting on uh, sales managers as Brian calls it mm-hmm. where they should do this and they should do that. How do we stop that from happening and how do I decide what to put in? So these are the these are some of the difficulties in the ongoing operations bucket. You have to define what your product is. What happens is we define all the deliverables that created, and that's it, we, we do that because those are concrete things. But what's the product? What is a effective sales manager, and how do we measure them? Are they effective sales manager after we deliver them sales manager training? No. We have to be able to be, we have to be able to see it. What is the criteria involved, the measurable criteria that we can put in place? And then who's responsible for developing it? Isn't it the VP's jobs who the sales manager report to to help with that? How are they not part of the curriculum? So define what the product is. Then the second thing that you have to define is the people involved in building it. What is the production line? Who's going to do what? Because defiant building something that's an ongoing service is uncomfortable for a lot of folks. So you need to be able to do both of those things if you're going to do ongoing operations well. If you don't do those things, what's going to happen is you're going to get uh, pulled into building lots and lots of deliverables based on what people's own perspectives and experiences are, which will put you at risk of meeting the measurable goals. So... You need to be thinking about this as the measurable goals are what the factory output that your your boss wants. And then the factory plan is defining the roles or responsibilities and the production line of producing those things. If you don't do those things, uh, it's going to be very difficult to coordinate all of the development. And you're going to get um, people going on Google search to find the silver bullets to plug in here. And then you're going to get a giant laundry list of stuff. That will look great. I'm sure you'll do a lot of uh, fantastic jog on the look and feel and it'll be polished and, and it'll look well and it'll seem right. And people will, re- will probably give you good feedback on the initial rollout. But will it move the needle? Don't know. So that's why it's important to define what the product is. It sounds like you and Brian need to do another podcast on just, oh, because no, nobody in my company is thinking that way. That's for darn sure. Well, I wouldn't say nobody. It's what your executives expect. 
So let's let's be careful on the reality part. Let's yeah. confront reality. Your executives want results, not deliverables. So they would. So you're saying then they would rather have the ongoing operation view. Well, that's a, how you're going to get it done. They don't care. They're, an executive isn't going to care how you get it done. Right. That's the quandary. You don't have to have uh, approval of everything from executives. You know, you're, what are you, 13? Do you have to ask your approval for everybody? Be a leader. Now you, now you hurt my feelings. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So uh, let's go on to I. But that's a good reminder, right? This is good. I'm still in character. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I is impacted with messaging. So that that message has been given to me. Uh, what, what, how am I supposed to be impacted with messaging when I'm being told what I'm supposed to be doing? They, they've given me the message. Aren't I just supposed to amplify it and do the same thing? Say the same thing they're telling me? Have they given you the message? Well, they What's said we're the training, we're training sales managers and it's really important. Is that a message? I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I just want to make sure we're clear, caller. Is that a message or is that a directive? Uh, well, you're leading the witness to say that's a directive and not a message. I'm it's asking you to thoughtful on your statements, right? Yeah, um, but that's been the message from the top. So therefore, it's the message. The message to whom? The message to me as a sales enablement person that this is what we're doing. Is that how they're messaging to the frontline sales managers? No, they probably haven't even told them yet that this is what we're doing. To be honest well, so you made assumptions already. That's unacceptable. That's not leadership. You're not being accountable for your, your own actions. Accountability well, as, is you must know. But as your caller, you're supposed to make me feel good when I have these calls. Or I'm not calling back. Frazier is a tough love show. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thoroughly enjoying this. I hope our listeners are too, by the way. And Scott, I, 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 Scott and I are still friends. Totally. It's Dr. Laura, man. <laughs> Dr. Laura will come right at you. <laughs> okay. Okay, so now that you're making me think about this, they're probably giving me a directive and not a right. message. So I probably need to do some work to uh, come up with a message that's impactive. And look, it doesn't need to be as complicated as we think it is, right? It's develop a little uh, a way of how we're going to position this and ask your executive sponsor, hey, given this goal, I'm thinking about how, I'm thinking about how we might message this initiative. I'd like you to be able to say these kinds of things. This is why your executive sponsors become a huge value add. If they if if they have a, a role in doing it, they're going to look at your messaging with that lens. And they're going to tell you, mm, I want to say it this way. Or mm, what do we say that way? And then, then you can actually have a dialogue and you co-create that message together. Then your executive sponsor is on message. You're on message. It helps galvanize everybody. So it's it's a simple thing. We just have to be aware. Are we carrying out orders? And then, you know, we sound like, um, well, I did that because I was just following orders. That's never been an acceptable answer. Yeah. Ever. Not in the military either. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. But that's what we tend to do. I'm just doing what I was told. Yeah, that's I got the email. Acceptable. So time to go execute. That's Where, not leadership. Where's the leadership in that? And this is a, this is a call-in show about leadership. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the last one then is collaboration, which, you know, being inclusive and collaborative, um, how am I supposed to do that when this has become a sales enablement initiative? There's a nice softball for you. <laughs> um, well, I, I would first say the way that you're asking it, be more accountable. When you, How I'm taking the way you're asking it is very passive aggressive. Well, I mean, we have been told that this is a sales enablement initiative. So and it came down it. and as directive came down using that language, we're going to go implement it. So yep. don't they have to do what the directive is? Who's that? The sales managers and the sales leadership that, that they've been, they've implemented, they've directed that we do this. So it shouldn't be a surprise that this well, is coming and it shouldn't be a shock that we're going to do it. And, you know they're busy. Why would we? Why do we? Why would we ask their permission? So you don't think that you need to collaborate with people? That you're well, just be, just because the man, management says this is coming down and to expect it, you should produce things that. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. 
That's okay. what we do in sales enablement. We get the directive and, and we're measured on how fast we can pivot. How are you measured on how fast you're pivot? What's the metric of pivot? Um, the, the level of anxiety that people have. So they're, <laughs> le- they're less anxious if I move faster. Okay. So that's definitely, um, thank you for that. So that, that, that goes back to, to, to answer these questions about collaboration, we have to first re- reinforce. If you're thinking holistically, you are taking away anxiety by showing you're on top of it. Wouldn't we all feel a lot more comfortable if the government seemed like they were more control over the COVID stuff and more clear and directive? Mm, yeah. uh, all of us would. So the anxiety level goes down the more on top of it, which means if that's understanding. And that those are some of the other elements. The collaboration part is how we're going to bring this together. How do you create the the awareness? So let's assume that half of the sales managers don't think they need uh, management help, that they're great leaders as is. How do you help them see for themselves they need to participate in that? That's number one. And even if you do roll it out, if they're not receptive to it, they're not going to use it. So therefore, you're not driving. Uh, you're, you're not driving. So these things are really, really important if you're going to produce the, the measurable results that you're being asked or held accountable for. You have to confront some of these realities. The next thing also would be who else is involved? Who else is giving sales managers input? In order for a sales manager to lead, part of the thing that we have to do is, is understand what their burden is. That's being collaborative too. Before we get into a leadership thing, how many different directives do you get asked? So um, caller on our show, Brian and I have had many uh, episodes about coaching and we, we bring up how burdened sales managers are. Has anybody highlighted that out? When you start doing some of the work to represent the group that you're trying to impact and show that you're doing things to help them, they become a lot more open to the things that you want to dictate to them. And it's just, that's, that's human nature, going back to sort of the timeless things. So if you can go and figure out how burdened they are or where, you know, analysis about where they come from, things that you can say, hey, as sales managers, these are things that your company's being asked to do. We've eliminated some of these things for you before we start saying, and now here's the leadership program that we wanted to get to. What's going to be more receptive? Yeah, the 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 collaborative approach that you're talking about, for mm-hmm. sure. Yep. I, I'll tell you, um, in our, I think one of the things that um, where I establish a lot of credibility with reps when I do uh, when I do programs. And um, maybe when we have Lindsay back on, we can ask her about this. One of the things that um, when it, so I, we mentioned in that show, I met Lindsay when I was asked to do the sales training to teach the, the, the NetApp salespeople how to do cloud selling in a day workshop. Right. It's a pretty, pretty narrow, hard goal. And one of the things that we did in there was I had a section where I just had a poll and I said about Festivus. Remember Festivus? Yeah. Some science. Some science. I, I kid you not. I do this often. And uh, in in this particular issue, I said, right now, I want you to guys you guys to tell me all the things that are on your mind, all the problems. Let's get them out. And the reason I did that is one is there's no way we're going to solve all these problems just with doing this. But two, they're not going to listen to me at all if they're preoccupied with what their comp plan is or how they're going to work with partners. So we need to be able to get those out, put them on sticky notes, document it and say, these are things that we'll take from you as things that uh, management needs to work on. Now can we go back and focus on what our goal is today? I feel very strongly that um, the reason that the programs that I run are always so effective is that you give people the opportunity to share what's on their mind. So going back to collaborative and inclusive, that's being inclusive. Your audience that you're trying to impact, there's a lot of other things on their mind. Maybe leadership isn't one of them. You never know. But by doing something like that or having a readout form that way, what it allows you to do is say, this is where, where they're on their mind. And you're collaborating with them at that point in time. And more importantly, what you're doing for yourself is you're making yourself as a, as a sales enablement leader 
the active ingredient that simplifies things. And the third thing that you're doing is you're creating ammunition for yourself so that when you go back inside the company in the corporate world who just complains about salespeople, say, well, aren't these facts? Aren't these fair? Like, for example, our comp plan doesn't align up with our role plan, which doesn't align with our, our, our what management's asking us to do. Or how come our products never match to what our what our messaging is? Or where's this or where's that? The the amount of legitimate concerns that sales salespeople have is massive. By creating that space to allow them to do it, you're 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 collaborating with them, but then you have ammunition to direct it back internally. Thanks, Fraser. I'm gonna go crawl. What is it, uh, Free Willy? I'm gonna go get in uh, the fetal position and watch Free Willy now. <laughs> what episode was that? Yeah, that was the. I don't know which episode. Pip to performance plan. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Click. And so Brian's back. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> listening to the caller there, pause button for a second. So if you're listening to this, you know, you're probably in two, two zip codes. One, you know, heck yeah, uh, this is righteous. I've been doing this. This is very affirming. Another camp could be, and it may be, holy cow, uh, I got to rethink what I'm doing here from a leadership perspective. And there might be one in the middle between the two, but I'm just trying to be binary on purpose here. Uh, so it either reaffirmed your unconscious competence, you know, what you've been doing all along or what you've learned, or it's maybe um, convicted you a little bit around how you're approaching things, which is either either way, it's great. And I would say, look, go back and listen to this at least one more time because uh, leadership is timeless. I'm still learning about it today. So this is not a one and done thing. Scott and I both really wanted to explore this because sales enablement requires leadership right now. And your salespeople need to benefit from that leadership. And corporate America as a whole needs more leadership. And we believe sales enablement is really positioned for that. And we really wanted to help there. So don't be overwhelmed by this topic. Go listen to it again and engage in the conversation. You've got to be a strong leader. If you're helping your company change, if you're helping your company move, be more reactive to the times, you've got to be a strong leader. If you're trying to move from product selling to solution selling, you have to be a strong leader. If you're trying to rationalize the BDR efforts with with the marketing effort, the outbound marketing efforts, you got to be, you know, a strong leader that works across silos that applies this holistic framework. My last word of wisdom is don't be afraid to be a leader, but to be a strong leader, you have to know yourself. And if anything, I believe that this type of episode we, that we put effort into is going to help you reflect and take stock of your own leadership. And that's really the essence of leadership is knowing yourself, knowing your boundaries and thinking through how you might react to something. And in a time of crisis, it's a really great time to find out where you stand on things. So as uh, Winston Churchill said, don't let a good crisis go to waste. That's great, Brian. So, so I have two concepts. One is what we're introducing here is what we're calling an executable insight. So what is the insight? The insight is leadership is embracing accountability. That's what leadership is totally going all in on accountability. And it's scary. That's why we call it a heroic framework. It takes a lot of courage to stand up and be accountable. However, that's what's required to make a lot of these dots connected. And that's why if you follow the framework, it looks good. And when you think about the caller uh, role play and some of the, you know, kind of blunt things, you're accountable, you're accountable, you're accountable own it. it. It shouldn't make you feel bad. It should be, it should feel empowering. The hero framework helps you flesh out how to communicate some of these things so that you don't feel like, oh, I'm accountable for a deliverable and all the weight and expectations on how well this gets rolled out. There's many, many, many other factors. And if you help people become aware of all of the factors for success, then you are going to be successful which is our segue into what, what we're going to do on our next show is we're going to turn this into a method or what Brian and I call a success method of how to, how to think about it. So what we'd like you to do is think about this episode 
is the introduction of an insight. The insight being leadership is required. Leadership is execution. Giving you a framework that that is executable. And then what we're going to do is have another episode where Brian and I, you know, flip roles and he's going to drive most of it. And we're going to assemble it into a, a method that you can put into action yourself. Thanks for joining us. To become an insider and amplify your journey, make sure you've subscribed to our show. If you have an idea for what Scott and Brian can cover in a future podcast or have a story to share, please email them at engage at insidese.com. You can also connect with them online by going to insidese.com, following them on Twitter, or sending them a LinkedIn request.